when God was queer. When God Was Queer, we're here for the episode devoted to Demeter. My name is Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by the two best co-hosts in the whole universe. Hey. Hi. When you're in space, no one can hear you introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello. God damn it. Okay. Well, in space, <laughs> like the wind blowing through the barren fields scorned by the namesake of our episode oh there it is <laughs> okay so um i have a, i have a thing real quick before we get into it that i think Uh-oh. is gonna make one of us super happy um i started playing hades yeah oh it's so good isn't it so fucking it sick? is so <laughs> fucking so good. <laughs> good like the amount of research that they put yes. in and yes. like the t- tiny little references like yes. the fact that the keepsake from chaos is the cosmic egg i was yes. like okay there's been a couple times i've literally just thrown my switch on the bed and been like okay i can't i'm done this yeah, is like no, I, that's it's exactly so how good I when i played it every time i like see a little reference and i get it i'm just like yo i just they just really they really they did really that sat down and they, they just read. really did that really like sat down and they read it and they put it in this game and i love it it's real and that's the thing too like when you have there's such a long history of like western mythology and iconology and things getting used in manga anime and like japanese um design games but usually it's kind of like random names of goetic demons on like hot big titty gotchi apps like it's like not there's really like not a, a thing there's not like a, a lot of follow through like one of the greatest villains of all time, of course, would be Sephiroth. But, like, why the fuck is his name Sephiroth? Like, that's just... When you know what the Sephiroth is, you're like, okay, this... Uh, this, It yeah, sounds cool, you know? Like, he should have had a girlfriend named Sapphira or something. Or, like, that could have been his drag name, <laughs> Sapphira. Welcome to the stage, Sapphira Crystal! Sapphira Crystal. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. So. Sapphira Roots. So we're going to do our episode today on Demeter. So we're going to start out just with like initial thoughts and impressions. Obviously, we did our super joyful M4 episode about Demeter and Demeter's wrath. Um, so what are our initial impressions on Demeter? What do we think? Super cool. Very scary. I think of her as uh, large, just like, like a large presence because she's like one of the older ones. Yeah. Um, just like. Oh yeah, she's like, the last of our elder gods mm. from the Olympian pantheon. She is the sixth elder god. That's that yeah. we're tackling. That's it. It's over after that. It's all younger Olympians. Yeah. So she's like. Yeah. I don't know. Just very. I don't know. A lot of it's influenced by the Persephone story, right? Mm. So it's like right. mom. Um, <laughs> It's like that was kind of my first introduction of her, and then everything that I found out after that was like, oh, I should okay. I was not appropriately scared of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's it. So let me ju- let me adjust that. Um, I do think of her uh, very much so, kind of like just like um, people are like I don't know, just like her walking by, people would be like, wow, I feel great about you being here. I'm going to make sure I bow so that you're not mad. <laughs> yeah. 
So like an intense underlying, yeah, like low-key intense energy. Not, yeah, just intense energy. Not even like one way or the other. Just like, like, not even because of her like wanting it to be intense, just by virtue of what she is. Right. It's just like intense, a thing, like her as a concept is intense. Stephanie, what did you walk into this episode with in terms of any types of ideas, knowing just like the general pantheon, especially as a kid? I mean, I also like remember that myth really specifically and remember her being just like super traumatized mm. in it, you know, and like doing whatever she had to do to like find her daughter. But I guess I guess I'm trying to think. So she's like, obviously, she controls like harvest the harvest. Is that what you would say? It's that's like, like her main thing because she's usually yeah. seen with like a sheaf of wheat. So, I mean, I guess the harvest and that's kind of just like seasonal food. But then that's like a metaphor also for life, like for for like birth and death. Is that like I mean, I, I like crops, you know, I always think of crops as being like symbolic with the life cycle hmm. and like, you know, that even though that seems like even though birth and like new seedlings coming and, you know, things being born is like new and exciting. Also, then there's like you have to sow those things and like things have to be, you know, like the, then they right. have to be reaped. And like, the, you know, like there's a whole backside of that cycle that's like a lot. I don't know if it's darker. It's just part of it. But does she represent that as well? Like, does she represent, um, you know, like you, the death, the death of crops? Kind of- nailed a lot of this yeah i mean she uh we will get into this more in a second but yeah she definitely does represent the cycle of life death and rebirth for sure oh cool okay that's yeah. what i figured just because i feel like that's Which always is why she's associated a bit of like a larger with larger goddess right there's, there are some cultures and even in at certain times with greek and roman where there's like a god who's just there just for like for example the fertility of the fields that's it right. they have nothing to do nothing with to do with anything nothing else to do. Yeah. right it's just the uh, ability for the um, the like plants to grow and produce fruit, you know, like that's it. But um, she's like the full cycle, the whole thing, right? Absolutely. Which I think that's like I agree that there's some like underlying intensity to her as a figure, and like maybe that's why because it's like that. I mean, that's very like yeah, that's powerful shit. If you're controlling like the cycle of birth and and death, like even metaphorically, like you know, it's still. And well, I yeah, because think... it's kind of the difference between being a god of rain and a god of the sky. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, exactly. It's, like, oh, it's okay, not one element. Know? It's like the entire cycle. Anything that's, I mean, because right. the entire life is that cycle. I mean, that's why agriculture, I guess, like, also living in farm country now, I think about this a lot and, like, doing more farming and, like, being around a lot of farms. It seems like, you know, like, oh, cute, farming. And then you're, like, around farms and you're, like, it's not actually like that at all. It's really fucking intense. And, yeah, like, yeah. there's, like, constant it's death. Like and like constant like dealing with really intense life situations and like threatening things threatening your you know your crops things threatening your livestock you know and then just like having to start over like having to always start over well, and like push push through that because you still have to make the things happen otherwise you're doomed well you have to think about too like the kind of body of magical practice throughout human history across the world such a huge chunk of it being devoted to like protecting your crops, right. making sure that they grow. And then also sort of on the flip side of that, the idea that like, if your crops don't grow, it's clearly indicative that you've been cursed by you've the gods. You've done something to deserve this. The yeah. heavens or something like that, because it is such a 
potentially life-ending event yeah. for your crops to get destroyed. You know? And can be really fickle. I mean, if the winter, you know, if like the bad weather comes too soon or, st- or goes too late, I mean, you can set back the entire cycle. I grew right. like, it's so funny when you live in a city, I don't think like a big city, you don't think about this as much. Like, you know, mm. when you hear about these gods or like, you know, people praying for their crops or whatever, you know, it sounds kind of cute and old time, old timey, but it's like, that's still currently happening. I think just in the city, the way we consume is just with that out of sight, out of mind a lot, which is super unfortunate. Right. But, but I spent and a lot of time. We also have the idea that like, oh, they grow the crops to sell them at market. That's like, right. yeah, but like. The majority of humanity is still, like, depending on the crops that they grow today. Yeah. yeah. And for the majority of human history, you depended on the crops that you grew to feed your own people. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't there, you're not getting it from somewhere else. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, Yeah, so, you yeah, can't it, just it, go it, down to the green market and, like, get something else in other times in certain places yeah. and probably still most of the world now. But, like, you know, it's not that easy. You, It's really important. <laughs> And even right. for farms that are selling them at like the, at green markets, it's still really important because they won't be able to sustain. I mean, farming is incredibly expensive undertaking. Like yeah. they won't be able to sustain it if. The, and sometimes that's up to the weather and up to. So I can see how like that becomes like a heavy issue where like of course gods were very much related to that, because there's so much that the universe is doing that you don't can't control. No matter how good a farmer you are, there's like a thousand right. things you can't control. Also, I've said this before, but like the fucking farmer's almanac reads like a Dr. Bronner's label, like a hundred percent is the is the weirdest, witchiest thing I've ever read. That's not actually (laughs) which it's out of its mind. But I understand why it's like farmers farmers are weird. You're like listening to the sounds of the universe. Like, of course, you'd be praying to a powerful ass God like this wouldn't be just some dinky little God. Like, let's grow some carrots. Like, it's much more than that. This is life or death. It has to be. Because it seems also like it's and even today with how much we've been able to streamline things with science and all of that, it's still a really fraught prospect that's pretty fragile, that Very. can go south pretty quickly. And you have to put in so much time and money and labor and investment just to get the thing going and then yeah. it may not come to fruition. Yeah, and some years, some years do suck. And it's like you'd have to think in another time, especially, you'd have to think why. Like, why right. was this year so bad? Right. Why did we have so many problems? Why did the cows get sick? Why did the, you know, the whatever yeah. not come in? Why was there like, I mean, there's so many different pests and, and different like blight and like, you know, things that can happen yep. to plants and that it's like crops in general that you would have to think like some, we've done something wrong, like not just farming wise, like because no, it's very much like, like up to the elements in a certain sense. Which like two things, I think what's interesting about thinking about like propitiation for those types of gods is that like is that an early way of forcing metacognition about like things like having to protect cattle right like not just letting them out to pasture but like actually having to keep track of where they're going so that they don't walk into a poison patch or Mm. like forcing metacognition about time right because like that whole cycle like can't really be divorced from our concept of time like our calendars are very much so still based off of things like yeah um which is cool because like i i think about like saturn in terms of like built the building of a civilization Mm. is like you need what demeter does in order to do that yeah um and it's like in terms of the the worship of demeter you need what the mind transformation of what those things do to like be able to be good at harvesting 
Um, yeah, it's also interesting cool when you look at like how you know. Of course, there's like we still today celebrate festivals based on the agricultural calendar, but you know, religious festivals in honor of the gods all over the place in the northern hemisphere have always yeah. been based on the agricultural calendar. And I think in a modern perspective, sometimes we look at that as like metaphorical for like the circle of life. It's like no, bitch. This is the same thing as like ancient civilizations that like carried out extensive rites every single day to ensure the sun would rise the next day like these they were doing so much to make sure like this is our part we do all of this to propitiate everything so that the this god's influence is given and is starts at the right time so we can get the right harvest to last through the winter like do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. It's, it's the mechanics of their, like, yes. society. Right? Yes. So it's, like, it's what makes their society able to keep doing the thing that it does. Right. Which I think is sick, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as a concept. It's, right. like, the infrastructure um, of your entire culture. Like, it really yeah. is. Like, and, and yeah, it's obviously. it's influence everything. And then it does become also a perfect, and there's no uh, accident that it's a perfect metaphor for us, because, I mean, do acid one time, and you'll know that everything in the universe is the same thing. <laughs> and it is, but it is, I mean, it is, like, we are, we, it is the same. We are the same. Just because we're, like, mm. have a central nervous system and a consciousness doesn't mean we're not, it's the same cycle. It's the same all the same processes all the same ways we need to take care of ourselves uh you know well, so there's it's... a reason that we have holidays and festivals and things associated with love and love making yeah at the beginning of spring so that you yeah. have your baby before the yeah. winter comes exactly like literally that is a thing you know what yeah. i mean yep um so so she's pretty epic of, i guess is what she's pretty we're, epic we're sensing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you guys are spot on. Um, in terms of origins, daughter of Cronus and Rhea, you know, uh, it's unsure where she ranked in the birth order. We know that she was not the oldest or the youngest. Um, she was uh, freed from Cronus's gut with all the other Olympians um, after he, you know, vomited <laughs> everybody thing. up. <laughs> you know, tale as old as time. Um, and again, we also have a version of the Titana monkey where she just like Hera is like supposed to be hidden away with Oceanus and Tethys. Uh, but again, we also have a version in which she's fierce in battle. And in the latter, she's sometimes portrayed with a spear and a torch. However, get ready, Vince. She's most often depicted wielding her sacred golden sword. Yes. One of the epithets commonly applied to Demeter was Chrysoris, or Lady of the Golden Sword Blade. Awesome. She... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Vince is soaking wet. That came um, from my soul. Yeah. She was depicted in oh, scenes in that's... the Gigantomachy, especially, wielding a sword which may have been the Golden Blade, or the blade might instead sometimes be a golden sickle, which she used to harvest the first crops of wheat. However, that sickle may not be gold because it's said that also in certain tellings, she's the one who found the scythe that Cronus used to castrate Aranos, the one out of Adamant. And oh. she found it on the island of Sicily, apparently. Um, and mm-hmm. she then used it in the first harvest of grain ever. I just got this cool image of her like picking like a really tall sheaf of like wheat and then mm. just like yeah, like, 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 yes! she just has a lot of she has a lot of weapons. She's got a shit ton yes. of weapons. It's 
Awesome. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you sort of initially see her and you're like, yep, it's a motherly looking lady with a sheet lady of wheat. Lady with like, wheat around her, yeah. You know, you're like, so? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, get ready. <laughs> In terms of purview and domain, yes, she's a goddess of the harvest and agriculture, as well as a goddess of fertility, but she's also a goddess of sacred law and custom. Yeah. She was primarily known as Sito, so Demeter Sito, she of the grain, as the provider of nourishment. And she was also known as Demeter Themisphoros, the giver of customs and law. Along with her daughter, Persephone, she presided over the cycles of de life, death, and rebirth. Awesome. In terms of depiction, she's a mature woman often wearing a crown. Uh, she bears sheaves of wheat, a corticopia, and a torch. How old is mature? Like, like 50 or like old? There's a difference between, like, the matron and the crone, right? Yeah, she's, she's not a, a crone. She's a matron. She's no, just like, she's a matron. Because she's, she's like, the image of a mother. Mother, yeah. She's, yeah. like, mother yeah. age. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in terms of retinue, she was accompanied by Plautus, Hecate, Triptolemus, and Iacus. We'll talk about who those people are very shortly. Yeah. time. Yeah. Her attributes and iconology are the sheaf of wheat and the corticopia. Her sacred objects preferred offerings and taboos. <laughs> I really need you to just like hold on to something, uh, okay. da um, Daphne, because you're gonna you're gonna scream when you hear this. Snake, pig, turtle dove, red mullet, which is a fish, and gecko. Huh. What? What's the red mullet yeah. fish doing there? <laughs> <laughs> Flipping around so. in a field. Somebody just dropped it on the way back to like town. <laughs> Hermes, clearly. Yeah, Hermes, Herme flying Hermes by. was having a having a sandwich of red mullet fish. It's like got distracted. This puddle will be big enough, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you can live here. <laughs> Poppy was her sacred flower, and it yes. was often... Uh... It's actually interesting. In a lot of classical depictions of um, Persephone's abduction, she's standing in a field of poppies, which is oh, a I reference to Demeter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I never realized that. That's cool. It's almost like a visual depiction of, being, of her being torn from her mother. Oh, that's um, very sad. <laughs> yeah. There are also many myths which seek to explain it we don't know exactly why, but the abiding fact is that Demeter does not drink wine. Oh. She will not imbibe. Does she drink um, other things? No, she's just teetotaler. Yeah, basically, apparently. Yeah. Um, quote, then Metanira, the queen of Eleusis, filled a cup with sweet wine and offered it to Demeter, but she refused it. For she said it was not lawful for her to drink red wine, but bade them mix meal and water with soft mint and give her it to drink. And Metanira, mixing the draft and giving it to the goddess, gave it to the goddess as she bade. So the great queen received it to observe the sacrament. So we know that she does not drink wine. There's also indications that you may, that there, that there it may have not been super okay to like pour wine for her in libation. Gotcha. That you may have had to use some sort of similar mixture as described there. So she has many epithets. We have uh, Demeter Aganippi, which is the mare who destroys mercifully or literally nightmare. Uh, Potnia, awesome. which Whoa. we know is mistress, comes up a lot. Uh, and the Homeric hymn to Demeter, uh, it, it, it occurs. Hera especially, but also Artemis and Athena also get addressed as Potnia, but in their own ways. So like advanced thing for Artemis's um, episode. Artemis gets called not Potnia, but Artemis Potnia Theron, which is mistress of the animals. So that's a thing. We have Despina, mistress of the house, a Greek word similar to the Mycenaean Potnia. Uh, this title was also applied to Persephone, Aphrodite, and Hecate, and is also the name of a goddess in its own right. 
Thesmophoros, giver of customs or legislator, a title connected with Thesmophoria, the festival that we'll talk about in a little bit. It's one of uh, Demeter's two sacred festivals. Demeter Arrhenius. That should sound familiar. Yep. Yeah. Fury, because the Arrhenes are the Furies. Arrhenes. With a function similar uh, of the avenging Dike, uh, who is Justice. Uh, this Demeter is the goddess of moral justice based on custom rules who represents the divine retribution on those who would break them uh, and gets obviously her name from the Aranese, the, Fur the Furies. Hmm. Demeter Chloe, Chloe meaning green, which would invoke her powers of ever returning fertility. Uh, Demeter Europa, meaning broad face or eyes. Demeter Maloforos, meaning apple bearer or sheep bearer. We're not sure. <laughs> Demeter Lucia, bather. And Demeter and Thermasia, <laughs> warmth. So, she's got some kids. Ready? Children by Zeus. This is not going to go well. Hesiod, Homer, and others have Zeus as the father of Persephone. However, we have no surviving stories which give any detail on how her conception or her birth unfolded. But it is a pretty much established fact. Zeus is the Zeus father is of dad. Persephone. Uh, interestingly, this would not be their only child together, at least according to some versions of the myths which state that they also had Dionysus together. Uh, the Orphic Theogony is almost totally lost. However, there are some fragments which have been preserved. And in one of them, it is said that Zeus mated with Rhea, who is his mom, both of them in the form of a snake. They're both they're, snakes. They're both snakes. Also, this is supposed to be the origin of the two copulating snakes on the Caduceus. Yeah, I was just about to ask if that's the snakes. Yeah. That's like symbolic mm -hmm. of the two of them doing it. Mm -hmm. fucking this family is fucked up. It's fucked. Uh, and they <laughs> bore Persephone, who Zeus then mated with to produce Dionysus. Right. This is the Orphic yeah. cosmogony. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the fragments say that Rhea becomes Demeter after she, after she births Persephone in the Orphic cosmogony. Now, Orphic fever dreams aside, there is the more yeah. common version of Dionysus as the son of Zeus and Demeter, because it is not just only there. According to Diodorus Siculus in his Bibliotheca Historica from the first century BC, Demeter and Zeus are married and Dionysus was born thrice in this version as well. Quote, once from the earth, meaning Demeter, once from the vine. Um, I can't figure out what the fuck that means. Uh, Zeus's thunder thighs, maybe. I don't know. But in this version, Demeter and Zeus are married. And I don't know where the hell Hera is, but somehow the Titans still get loose and they destroy infant Dionysus. Uh, in this case, boiling him alive. Demeter gathers his remains and either buries him or eats them or calls up Clotho again, because apparently she's on speed dial and her magical mm -hmm. cauldron throws everything inside and then the child is reborn. Mm. Uh, this version is less common, of course, as Demeter and Persephone were often conflated early on and the most popular early version called Persephone uh, Dionysus' mother. So there's like kind of all over the place. Dionysus is one of those gods that gets plugged in, not as the father, but as the son of just about like anybody. Everywhere. Because yeah. he most likely predates the Greeks and like may have come from like Asia Minor. We don't really know. We'll get into that in his episode. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but the most common versions of all uh, which came later named his mother as Semele, Zeus's mortal consort. Right. Children by Poseidon. As we mentioned in his episode, the oldest known myth featuring Poseidon is his rape of Demeter. He made advances. She shut him down. He pursued her. She fled. She turned into a horse. He turned into a horse. It is what it is. Uh, Demeter. Yeah. 
Out of this violence, Demeter bore two children, the divine horse Arion, who was capable of human speech, and Despina, goddess of the Arcadian Mysteries. Where the Eleusinian Mysteries centered around Demeter and Persephone, the Arcadian Mysteries centered around Demeter and Despina. Despina is really more a title, remember, mistress of the house. Right. And it's used with several goddesses as well. Uh, but she did have her own cult worship, so at least for some time she was her own a goddess in her own right. In Bronze Age Arcadia, she was the goddess of nature, birth, and death, and her consort was Wanax, a name later used as an epithet for Poseidon, which gets really gross. Demeter and, P- and Despina were the two great goddesses of Arcadia. The nymphs were their handmaidens, and they were tied to spring and animals. This led to the pair being heavily linked with Artemis, who to the Arcadians was said to be the very first nymph. Demeter was known in Arcadia as Black Demeter, as it was said that after the incident with Poseidon, she dressed in black mourning garments and retreated into a cave in order to undergo extensive purification rituals. As a result of the myth, she was depicted with a horse's head in the region of Arcadia. Also, out of this violence, she bore a new epithet, probably during her time in the cave, a new aspect of her divinity called Demeter Arrhenius, the vengeful one. So that's when that one came about. Mm -hmm. By Eaceon. Eaceon was the legendary founder of the mystic rites on the island of Samothrace, thought to be the son of Zeus and Electra. Weddings were a big deal for the ancient Greeks, and no less so for the gods. I mean, you'd be turned into a fucking tortoise if you declined an invite, as we've seen. So when Cadmus, the founder and first king of Thebes, and Harmonia, remember Harmonia? The goddess of harmony and concord decided to get hitched the celebration was major and apparently demeter had some wine was feeling real nice during the after party when she saw eaceon it was time for demeter to get her groove back cut to the two going down to plow town <laughs> uh i would say pound town but it was in a field that was plowed what i mean is that they had a lovely liaison in a thrice plowed field Right. Afterward, Demeter returned to the party and everything was fine until Zeus saw that there was mud all over her ass. So he put two and two together and then in the middle of the dance floor reared up and hurled the thunderbolt at Aeacion, striking his own son dead out of jealousy for sleeping with his sister. This is Greek mythology. Just hang on. However, it is said that Demeter already knew in that moment she was pregnant and that she was in love with Aeacion. So she pled with Zeus to restore him and he did so granting him immortality, placing him among the many minor gods in Daimonis, and out of their union was born the twins Plautus and Philomelos, and a son named Corybus. Now, we've previously discussed Plautus in our Hades episode. Remember, he's the Greek god of wealth, who would later be absorbed into Pluto. Aristophanes described him like this, blinded by Zeus so that he would disperse wealth without judgment, lame so that he would arrive slowly, and winged so that he would leave quickly. Philomelos was a minor god, patron of animal husbandry, plowing, and agriculture. It's said that Plautus was the wealthiest of all the gods, but would share nothing with his brother. And so Philomelos bought two oxen and went on to invent the plow. His mother admired him for this, and so immortalized him as the constellation Botes, making his plow into Ursa Major. Uh, Speaking of constellations, she's the prime goddess associated with the constellation of Virgo. Just seeing. Yeah, of course. Also, I feel like that story is why she doesn't drink wine Mm. Mm -hmm. anymore, right? She got really Mm -hmm. drunk at a party one time, and you know, all all hell broke loose. Yes. 
I feel like you um, would quit drinking for a while after that. <laughs> like a bit. Yeah, okay. or like take Maybe a, take a break at decisions. least. <laughs> like, like it got a little out of control. There was a whole thing. Uh, and Children by Carmenor. Carmenor, who the fuck is that? Carmenor was a <laughs> Cretan demigod of the harvest, and he and Demeter produced Eubolius, demigod of plowing, and his sister, Chrysothemis, demigoddess of harvest festivals, and oftentimes they had a third son, Achacalus, the daffodil. Oh, oh. Yeah, Stop. so we know what probably happened to him. You know, discus yeah, decapitation. But, you know, probably got to have great sex with one of the gods. It's fine. Uh, there's Demeter for the Greeks. There's Ceres for the Romans. We like to always make sure that we take some time and we examine the differences and the similarities because sometimes the Roman god is a straight-up Greek import, but more times than not, it's actually not the case. And so we like to make sure that there's no guesswork involved. Ceres was the ancient Roman goddess of agriculture and cultivated crops, fertility, grain, harvest, the earth, and motherhood. Her attributes included a sickle, sheaf of wheat, cornucopia, and cereals. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. She was a multifaceted goddess honored during harvest time at weddings and during funeral rites. She is the only agricultural deity to be named among the Decensentes. The Decensentes are the are Rome's version of the Twelve Olympians. Okay. Mm. Uh, her depiction could differ from Demeter's often. For example, in Augustan reliefs, she's pictured emerging from the earth at, like a plant, arms wrapped with snakes, outstretched what? hands bearing poppies and wheat, and her head crowned with fruits and vines. That's oh, awesome. Cool. That's yeah, so like, cool. It's also like Etruscan as fuck. Like yeah. having <laughs> uh, anything with the underworld, usually you have like, you'll see snakes for hair, snakes, snakes wrapped around the arms or legs. Like it, it tells you that they're cathodic. Oh, I love that. Like yeah. poppies and snakes and just like emerging from yeah. the earth is fucking Hell yeah. badass. I want to do an act about that. That's a, that's a good visual. Sometimes she was seen bearing torches, which referenced the search for Proserpina, which is the Romanized Persephone. Persephone. Other times she was in a chariot drawn by snakes. I don't know how fast she can go, but it depends how cool. many snakes, I guess. Some snakes yeah. go pretty yeah. fucking fast. Also on snakes water, snakes are really fast. Like there we go. scary fast. Uh there's also depictions uh where she's sitting on a chest and the chest is concealing the sacred objects of her mystery rites. Oh. Which I think is pretty cool. cool. Sometimes she's holding <laughs> yeah. a, uh, a caduceus. Uh, to the oh. Roman eye, the Caduceus was actually uh, also associated very heavily with Pax, the Roman goddess of peace, and so therefore the Pax Romana. Huh. Uh, Although her image seemed heavily influenced by her indigenous forebears, her cult was almost exclusively Greek in nature for almost its entire lifespan in ancient Rome. She had male priests who had civic functions, but they were very minor. Like, their role was really, really minor. They had almost nothing to do with the actual cult. Her cult was an example of what the Romans called Ritus Graecus, which means according to Greek rites, and so was mostly led by priestesses who almost exclusively spoke Greek during her rituals. They were selected from respectable matrons. They didn't have oh. to be celibate. They could be married, single, divorced, didn't matter. Oh. The only time they had to be celibate was during the annual Cerealia, which is the nine-day festival for the goddess. Other than that, oh. doesn't matter. So the priestesses far outnumbered the handful of priests, and they were highly respected in their own communities. They were usually the matriarchs of their like social surroundings. That checks out. Also, because the Romans are a lot more organized, and sometimes embarrassingly <laughs> so, but in this case, pretty fucking cool. As the goddess of agriculture, she had a retinue of 12 minor gods who attended to the mechanics of agriculture and its success. 
Ready? Vervactor, he who plows. Reparator, he who prepares the earth. Emporsitor, he who plows the wide furrow. Incitor, he who plants seeds. Obarator, he who traces the first plowing. Akator, he who harrows. Serator, he who digs. Subrunxator, he who weeds. Messor, he who reaps. Convector, he who carries the grains. Conditor, he who stores the grain. Promitor, he who distributes the grain. I've met all of these guys at Tractor Supply. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this is farmers. Also, it would suck to be the one who weeds, because that is backbreaking. That is, like, not a fun... That I've been weeding our backyard, and it fucking sucks. He Let's has see, the also... the most complicated name. His name is Subrunxator. So, no, sorry. Yeah, prob- yeah. Subrunxinator. Subrunxinator. They gave him a fancy name because he had got the shit job. Right. <laughs> they sound like they hate the Power Rangers and She-Ra and Voltron. <laughs> I also like that there's, like, the guy who plows and then the other guy who plows, but his is more specialized. Like, he has the riding lawnmower. Yeah, like, when, right. the stuff yeah. that the other guy can't do. Or he has the weed whacker. Like, the one guy yeah. plows and then the other guy's like, ah, I can't get that spot. It's too sharp a corner. That's weird. It's wild. So... Um, now, don't be fooled, though, because it, she has a lot of other roles. I mean, Debiner plays a really major role. They both play a major role as a harvest goddess, right? But they both have, like, a secondary thing that's also really major. And so Demeter would play a major role for the Greeks as a mystery goddess. Ceres played a major role as a political goddess, actually. Um, oh. She dealt with a lot of areas of life. We'll get to politics in just a second more exclusively, but... Uh, in everyday life, I mean, Ceres was a goddess of women in that she protected women transitioning from childhood into adulthood. Huh. She, but she, this was not like the only threshold. She's a very threshold-oriented goddess. It's not the only threshold that she guarded. She helped maintain the boundaries between the living and the dead. And if properly propitiated, usually with a pig sacrifice, she would ensure that the recently dead made their way safely to the underworld and did not remain a wandering, vengeful ghost, which was called mm. a lemur. In ancient Roman bridal processions, there would usually be a young boy carrying a torch crafted from the wood of a hawthorn tree, which was sacred to her. This torch Hmm. was seen as lighting the way for the bride. A pig would be sacrificed to Terra Mater, which means Earth Mother or Mother Earth. This was a holdover from the Etruscans, by the way. And Ceres would preside over this. They were seen as being partnered, her and Tellus or or Terra Mater, same name for the same entity, um, who was like the personification of Earth, because... She was the one, Earth would, like, prepare the cradle, and she would put the baby in it, if you will. Right? Also, the new couple would usually share a cake made of far, which was an ancient wheat crop sacred to her. um, To sort of, like, consummate the the ritual. Like, instead of, like, a wedding cake, they would have that. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. She was also known as Ceres Mater. She was called Mother Ceres by a lot of people. And called Genetrix, meaning progenitress. And Alma, which means nourishing. She was heralded among the plebeians as the image of virtue. This led to a triad of sorts between Ops, who is Rhea, Ceres, Demeter, and Proserpina, Persephone, Persephone. Uh, which was the early groundwork for what would later be called in modern times the maiden mother crone, Triplicity. Yeah, there they are. I was going to say, huh, interesting. Um, remember how I mentioned the pig sacrifice? Uh, sidebar on the pig. <laughs> this is from uh, ancient sources. Quote, she has a particular enmity towards her own sacrificial animal, the pig. 
Pigs offend her by their destructive rooting up of field crops under her protection. And in the myth of Proserpina's abduction on the plains of Henna, her tracks were obscured by the pig's trampling. If not for them, Ceres might have been spared the toils and grief of her lengthy search and separation. Wow, because I was going to say, everyone likes pigs. That's weird. Like, you rarely hear someone who's like, fuck pigs. Like, pigs are great. But that makes... Aphrodite was the only one, but you couldn't even offer it to her, though, remember? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, though. But Demeter's like, kill them fucking pigs! Kill them! She's like, fuck pigs. They're the worst. (laughs) Yeah. They are. Um... So they're, the actual animal is fabulous and lovely. Yeah, and we're talking about the other kind, the obviously. Only, uh, can I just say, P.S., yes, fuck cops. Honestly, all cops are bastards. They can all burn in hell. One thing that I forgot to mention, remember when we were doing Aphrodite and you were like, I, I said the initial stuff and you were like, pigs? How could pigs be related to Aphrodite? I meant to say something and I and I was listening back to it and I was like, son of a bitch, I didn't say it. They are, they, to me, they're actually the most Aphrodite animal. Because they're the only other animal on Earth that can get sunburn. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. And we use them for, like, skin grafts yeah. and shit. Like, they're, they're, they have this thing about them that I'm like, they're pink, they're skin, the whole thing about them. Like, because don't forget, uh, in, in astrology, Venus rules the skin. Oh, I know. It still um, seems weird. So there's, like, a weird. whole thing there, too. It just still seems weird. It's weird. Okay, fine. But I was like, but listen. It's like Miss Piggy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love pigs because they are they're cool animals. Like they eat everything and they're like obviously smart and clean and all that, but they also taste awesome. So like everything's <laughs> cool with pigs, but I definitely don't think of pigs as like a glamour animal. They're not like an aesthetic animal. Like they're Yeah. They're sh- they just like root around in shit. Like I, they're just, they're just big hairless oh shit my God. beasts. <laughs> well, they kind of are. are we, I mean, oh, we totally are also. But like they're <laughs> but like there's nothing they're pigs are not trying to be glamorous. Like, you know, people always own a pig, like as a pet, and they put a little ribbon around it and it's like it's uh-huh. a fucking pig. You uh-huh. know? It's like So what you're saying is you can put lipstick on a pig. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think some of the pigs are cute. Um I know there's they're cute. There's some prize pigs out there who've never even smelled their own shit before. Um, so I, I feel like to... you were welcoming us to, it was it the beginning of this episode or the Info episode where you were like, come hang out on my nice farm. And now you're like, there are some really prized pigs. Like, are you just at the county fair today? I feel like I told you, have... yes. Farmer, yes. farmer hanging out at the welcome sign energy. It's really appropriate saying, hey, though, since it's this here. episode. I feel like that couldn't have been. You're really trying to get us a sponsorship from Farmers Only, yeah, aren't you? Farmers Only. I would love it if we if we got a Farmers Almanac fucking oh, oh my god I'd be like yeah, we've made it we've made it if they gave us five dollars a month I'd be like I'm in I don't they're care. gonna be mad because like, I keep saying they sound like the Dr Bronner's label uh, they I mean, maybe probably not. love Dr Bronner's I mean I love Dr Bronner's what are you gonna wash your pig with don't read the label or you like you to get in a portal to go somewhere but like if you just use it like soap it's great you can also pay us to stop saying it oh that's fair we should just say horrible that's blasphemies. an option yeah. <laughs> That's an option, <laughs> cops. <laughs> anyway, we hate we hate police on this podcast, so that's all you need to know. We do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shoot cops. Burn churches. Yeah, I don't give a um, shit about there's cops. There's also, by the way, a reason there's also a reason to see a connection between um like Demeter and Hecate mm-hmm. yeah. at the crossroads. Yeah. As it was said that it 
that at, it was at a major crossroads that Demeter collapsed, howling into the wind in grief, calling out for her daughter when she initially went to look for her. And this was where Hecate found her, Sounds about right. <laughs> comforted her, and pledged to help her in the search for her daughter. In fact, and this was carried on and much more elaborated on by the Romans, there's ample evidence that at many periods of Roman history, during uh, a period of grief over the death of a loved one, the matrons of the community would solemnly proceed to the crossroads and then wail in lamentation with loosened hair, rending their garments. They definitely seem like they would be friends anyway or know each other. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. Like they definitely sure. have a similar vibe, like really intense, but still just like Mm. matronly feminine but like kind of up mind their own business but like very like don't fuck with them at all I also, also just kind of like no. also like of the earth and very like, like the forces of like life yeah life and death like and death. it seems like they would they <laughs> would go out to lunch like, sometimes like i feel yeah. like they both don't have a lot of friends but like their friendships are really intense and like i feel like they are friends mm. i feel like they have a like an ancient primordial inside joke about torches that they share totally Totally. Yeah, that's why they're, yeah. they have probably because like I'm assuming that uh, do they hold them in different directions, or does it are they just kind of shown holding torches like a normal torch? Do you mean like uh, like a Prometheus thing, like holding yeah. it upside down? I don't know if it, well the thing okay. is, is I was wondering the, the same time, thing actually. Hecate was shown triple cap, right? Like tri head, yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah, and so well, it's it's not. Tri-head, I know it's you're right, body. yeah, just the face. It's three women back to back, and like yeah. one has the torch or oh. torches, and then the other two have attributes. Other there's things. a key, like if yeah. there's a whole thing. Um, so it's a little different than like just a lone woman with a torch. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like they went on the adventure now, to go get Persephone, and then like made an inside joke about the torches, and like came back and were like, you know what? <laughs> right, torch yeah. gang. No one else gets their humor. It's like um, too dark. Yeah, it's no. so dark. No. Also, what a way to, like, obviously that's the way to summon Hecate is to go to the crossroads at night and wail. Oh, yeah. And just start howling. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Checks out. So back to Ceres, in terms of the whole, like, law thing, Mm -hmm. Ceres was the key patron and protectress of the plebeians, of plebeian laws, rights, and tribunes. Her main temple on the Aventine Hill in ancient Rome was the center of plebeian life. The temple served as the center of her cult, but it also served as a legal archive, a treasury, and a court of law. It also served as a sanctuary for those escaping arrest by the patrician forces that were persecuting the poor. What? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cool. Yeah. As the plebeian power grew, so did her purview. And eventually, the official decrees of the Senate were proclaimed in her name, placed in her temple, and were seen as under her guardianship. Wow. As a result, she was often called Iegifera Ceres, law-bearing Ceres. And since it was she who first plowed the earth and opened its bounty to humanity, it was her laws that were seen as what would frame lawful, civilized life. This also meant that crimes against fields, crops, and harvests were treated as crimes against the people and against Ceres herself. Yeah. See, I feel like and were usually punished really mercilessly. I feel like they had exactly what Vince wanted in the Enforisode for like a reverence, like from those assholes. Mm, I feel yeah. like they did it correctly. 
But in meanwhile, in Greece, yeah, it's like sure. some rich guy is like, fuck this forest. Like, you know, fuck this field. Fuck it. I don't care. But like, I feel like this is what you were getting at, Vince, yeah, exactly where it's like, we better right. make her really <laughs> right. important. Like, talk to her about everything. We don't want her to get mad. Like, she's involved in everything. No, now. right. This is all in her name. She's got to agree I'm to it. We better not fuck this up. I'm not staying behind lunch because you can't shut the fuck up. I'm not doing it. You yeah. Right. Out of here. No. Exactly. <laughs> now, her priests came to preside over a lot of things. They came to preside over Rome's granaries, the organization of public games, and the maintenance of Rome's streets and public buildings. Like, that's how important yeah. her cult was, right? It then went further. In ancient Rome, there was a pit or underground vault that was called the Mundus Serialis, or the World of Ceres, and it was opened three days per year during which offerings would be made to the agricultural and underworld gods. Roman tradition stated that it was dug by Romulus himself. However, the tradition was clearly Etruscan in origin. When founding a new city, the Etruscans would dig the same pit and then deposit soil from the parent city oh, along with the first fruits of the harvest. Cool. Wow. Right. At the Mundus, Ceres was regarded as having a dual role. She was the goddess of fruitful harvests and uh, fruitful harvests, and guardian of underworld entrances. Entrances. And it was on these three hmm. days that these entrances were wide open. open. And the residents of the underworld were permitted to walk among the living. Oh my god, this is so cool. It's like Halloween. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah, this is giving me big Halloween town vibes. We're gonna get to Halloween. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> These were some of the only times that ancient Romans made any recognition or veneration of the Demonis, which was the collective dead in the ancestors. The only other times were the Parentalia and the Lemuralia. Cato remarked that the Mundus was a mirror to the heavens, inverse as well in its nature. So an inverse sort of um, wow. concave, yeah, right? Concave. Am I right? Yeah, yep. Because like the vault of the heavens yeah. and Convex, then doing the opposite, and that's concave, right? Yeah. Just a little side quest we're going to do really cool. quick on the Parentalia and Lemuralia because they're just fucking badass. The Parentalia was a nine-day festival beginning on February 13th. It was held in honor and veneration of the family unit and the collective ancestors. Sacred offerings were made at the family tombs to the Dei Manes, or Shades of the Dead, including flower garlands, wheat, salt, wine-soaked bread, and violets. Mm. Parentalia concluded on February 21st during the midnight rites known as the Feralia, when the Potter Familius, or the head of the household, would address the malevolent, restless dead in rituals of placation and exorcism. This preceded the Charistia the following day, which was an informal banquet held in the home to celebrate good relations between the living family and their benevolent ancestors. During this time, from Parentalia to Charistia, during the whole festival, all temples were closed marriages were forbidden and no official business was allowed to be conducted wow then we have the lemuralia which was held on the 9th 11th and 13th days of may so it just it happened just happened yeah this festival was equally important but sharply contrasted with the parentalia as it was the time during which ancient romans would perform rites of purification and exorcism for the wandering dead who were without kin to tend to them Specific attention was paid to removing the restless, malevolent dead from homes. Spirits were propitiated with offerings of beans, usually fava beans, which were also used in divination rites. Mm. It was on these days that, callback, 
the Vestals would prepare the sacred mola salsa, uh. which was the salted flour cakes prepared from the very first wheat harvest of the season. Wow. Ovid explained that the origin of the festival was the propitiation and exorcism performed by Romulus on the spirit of Remus. Because remember, if you don't know, Romulus killed Remus. So that's the thing. Ancient Romans would perform the rites by walking backwards through their house, barefoot, casting black beans on the ground, and repeating, I send these, with these beans I redeem me and mine. Which, here's my bad Latin. Hec ego mito, his regimo meke meusque fabis. They would do this nine times. The household's members would then bang pots and pans together, while the potter familias, the head of the household, would call out, Ghosts of my fathers and ancestors be gone nine times. This is like the first paranormal investigations going on here. There is a very, very clear, undeniable amount of evidence that this Roman festival, because it literally was done through like Catholic ecumenical council, was the precursor to the Catholic All Saints Day. Gosh. And All Saints Day is the origin of Halloween. Right. Woohoo! That checks out for, you know, for Sarah Demeter, like, for yeah. Halloween. Yeah, right? That very, very Demeter holiday. <laughs> you know, I kind of love, like, the matron with the sheaf of wheat, but also that it's low-key, like, this is Halloween. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Halloween. You know, like, I do love that. But also <laughs> Halloween is, like, pumpkins and fields and, like, corn mazes and, like, running through, like, a, you know, wheat. Hey, Ryan. I mean, it, you know, time. like. Yeah. It makes perfect time. sense for Demeter. Because it blends the. Oh, <laughs> It's just like this is an, it's an excellent time, and I thought you were gonna say like for something. It's just like, a no, great time. Great. Highly recommend yeah, it. Really ten like out of ten. Just October, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. October awesome. is the shit. Because I also think like I think we've we've talked about this in one of our other episodes, like where she eats the soup and she like everyone's like, "Yo, what are you doing?" Yeah, she's like, no, <laughs> yeah, bussing, bussing. She's like, mmm, like mmm, I, mmm, think, <laughs> I think about like in terms of this Halloween thing, this harvest thing. Like it's also like when we like you know those of us that have those seasons like that's when we start making soups and we start like storing like the way we yeah. cook changes as well uh, totally for like the cold in the winter we're like stuff. preserving for the down season it's, i mean halloween is the intersection of soup yeah. and the dead that's what yeah. it's supposed to be it's yeah. bone bone soup um time. so are we ready for <laughs> two um pretty fucking rad demeter myths yeah. ready so excited I bring to you the wandering. There are many myths. This is already scary. Do it like a horror story. Put a put a flashlight under your chin. (laughs) Like I feel like now we're in the spooky (laughs) Halloween mood. (laughs) There are many myths related to the time of Demeter's wandering, the period in which she roamed the earth, grief stricken and endlessly searching for Persephone. One of these myths is that of Demophon. Demeter came upon the palace of King Calais who reigned over Eleusis in Attica. She transformed herself into an old beggar woman asking for shelter. The king and his queen, Medanira, were kindly and welcomed the strange woman into their home. In return, Demeter, who was now called Dos, offered to nurse their two sons, Demophon and Triptolemus. She stayed with them for some time and took solace in caring for the two babies and becoming part of this kind family. But soon the small comfort had faded, and she knew she must continue to search for her missing daughter. So before she parted, she decided to bless their younger son, Demophon, by making him a god. 
She anointed him with ambrosia from Olympus, blew her sacred breath upon him as she held him in her arms, and then laid him in the flames of the hearth, reciting ancient prayers as his mortality was burned away. Wow. She performed this ritual every night, and on the final night, the ritual was almost complete when Queen Metanira walked in and had a complete fucking meltdown. Dose attempted to calm the hysterical mother. However, she was beyond reason, calling out for the guards and the king. Both rushed in, and the situation was clearly out of hand as the queen screamed for Dose to be seized and punished. The guards attempted to detain the nursemaid, and that is when Demeter had finally had enough. She threw off her garments and revealed her true radiant god self, dazzling the mortals in the room. You foolish mortals, it is I, Demeter, mother goddess. I had thought to bless your child and make him one of the gods, but you dared interrupt me. Look upon him now as his radiance fades, for you dare accuse me of harming an innocent. He will know not godhood nor immortality, and your kingdom will know only famine. King Calais stepped forward and knelt before the goddess, offering her his and his wife's lives if she would show mercy upon his kingdom. She was moved by this noble gesture and so contained her wrath, instead choosing to take their other son, Triptolemus, and to teach him the art of agriculture so that he could educate the people of Greece in the planting and harvesting of crops, promising that they would never go hungry if they remained faithful in their worship to the great goddess. Triptolemus went on to be raised by Demeter and later Persephone, who cared for him and helped him complete his mission, blessing him with a chariot drawn by dragons, cool. which what? <laughs> with which he was able to yeah, with which he was able to reach every part of Greece and teach all of the Greeks the secrets of the earth. He lucked out because he wasn't going to get jack shit a minute yeah. ago. Just... Like this. Oh, he didn't get jack shit. This is his brother. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this one. This yeah. one really lucked out because he wasn't wasn't he oh, was yeah because he, he was just, just going to start. He was the just baby. the other was baby. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Out of this journey came a series of adventures and misadventures, as not all welcomed him with hospitality. But each time there was cruelty or malice, Demeter would appear, saving her son and punishing the men who would harm him or stop his journey. The king of Scythia tried to murder Triptolemus in his sleep so that he could claim the credit for the gift of grain to his people. But Demeter intervened and turned King Lyncus into the first lynx. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Carnabon, the king of the Getai, who lived in Thrace, was treacherous and killed one of the dragons so that he could not leave, holding him hostage so that all of Greece would depend on his people for their grain. Demeter intervened, restoring the chariot and providing another dragon. She made his life unbearable, and finally he oh. killed himself, after which she placed him in the stars as Ophiuchus, the serpent bearer, who went on to make the lives of modern astrologers fucking unbearable, <laughs> because he's the alleged 13th sign that doesn't fucking exist. Uh, there, it is. there it is. So, what happened to Demophon? Well, yeah. according to Apollodorus, the interruption of the ritual resulted in the infant's death. Oh. In other versions, Metanira snatched the baby out of the fire and then was set ablaze, burning alive then and there. However, the most common versions of the story state that he did go on to be a hero of some renown, having death and funeral games in his honor, including a mock battle. This would be the beginning of the Eleusinian Games. Oh. 
So he definitely had that, I feel like, um, Achilles treatment where yeah. the Achilles heel was because he was dunked to make him immortal, but where they yeah, were holding him was holding his heel. His ankles. Right? Same. Which so. I never got. Just like, just like put your hands in and let your hands be immortal. Right? Also, babies innately swim. Like, there's just, swimming just lessons put the for baby babies. in. Yeah, just don't worry about we it. We have instincts. We can't. We can't walk. But for why like do you have to years, protect your fingers? Like your fingers can swim. Can't t- I don't. I've never understood that. That's it frustrated me since I was a kid. Well, they dipped him in the river sticks. So, so I something bad will happen to you. Maybe, yeah. 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 Then use a fucking stick or something. Like, figure like something basket. out. Don't. Don't leave. Put him in a. You put like him a in a net. Yeah. A stick and then just dunk him. Yeah. yeah, that's like it. A big old Drown the that really has annoyed me my entire life. Batter shrimp. <laughs> you just drop the fryer. Yeah, exactly. Comes out Scoop golden it out. brown, mm. crispy and immortal. <laughs> I fried shrimp last night. Oh mm. my god. Oh, oh. So good. Excellent. Anyway, sorry. That yeah. No, I yeah. I, I mean I'm glad that he still got an okay time because it wasn't the baby's fault. Like I'm I'm glad no. I hope that that last version is real. Yeah, I don't want rough. him to Otherwise, burn to death or something. Like it's like so nothing. Rough. He didn't do anything to deserve this. <laughs> no, it's it's the most common one because there literally is historical evidence of like games being held in this yeah. honor and all so of that. So it's like because he had heroic. Well, stuff, she didn't have so. a problem with him. He didn't do anything. No, and honestly, no one did anything wrong no. because no one knew what was going on. They were on. like, "Why are you like, trying to kill our baby?" Yeah, this is why surprise gifts often suck. Yeah, because you don't tell the person, "I'm not actually burning your baby. I'm making your baby immortal." Uh-huh. If you would just say that. that, just say that. We're not trying to be assholes. You know? Why should we assume that the random lady that showed up in our house <laughs> right. is not trying to murder our child? Right. Oh, terrible. So, <laughs> the next adventure during. <laughs> The Wandering <laughs> is one of my favorites. During The Wandering, Demeter also crossed paths with two outrageous goddesses named Balbo and Iambi. They sought to bring her out of her depression, or at least to give her a brief respite from her grief-stricken search. Balbo means belly, and she was the goddess of belly laughs. And, which is That's so cute. Awesome. Very cute. Except she was depicted as, quote, a headless and limbless body with her genitals forming a bearded mouth and her breasts staring forward like eyes. No, no, thank you. No, 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 no. I can see it too well. And her companion was Iambi, who was similarly shaped and was known as the <laughs> goddess of obscene speech and the iambic pentameter. Okay, that one kind of makes sense to me. That that one feels better. The belly last one, like no one else is going to find anything funny when that thing is laughing. Can you imagine that thing being like <laughs> right in front of yeah, you? Yeah, like really deranged Only... laughter coming out of a torso with a weird face. I want you guys to know we had to switch the schedule up a little bit. We mentioned this previously, but Demeter came a lot later than originally, and so I had the script like half done, right? When I originally wrote this part, I swear to God, like two nights later, I had a horrifying nightmare I'm... about something no. shaped like oh, this. Oh, I'm going to have a dream. Just laughing. So Terrible. Sad, that is super scary. It doesn't really it, like make you want to have a fun time or laugh. It kind of just no. makes you want to cry. But I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what would make Demeter laugh in that situation. Yeah, probably. A goddess who's like ancient, seen it all, you know, like seeing that probably from just the shock. Also, when you're so traumatized and you're in such a bad place, it's like a regular joke isn't going to cut it. It needs to be something really weird. Yeah, you need some air. Well, they did more because (laughs) they were traveling together, however, to torsos travel. (laughs) Um, They came upon Demeter one day. Don't ask me 
How they walk. They ha- ew, it's okay. that 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 foot on floor plap plap sound. It's absolutely oh. on any surface. Doesn't matter if it's grass or not. The the problem is for me. I went. Oh, they float just to make it easier. That's actually that's, scary. That's much scarier. Like, I don't, they, like, I don't they, like that at all. But I also don't like them actually. Using I don't like them hopping around. around I don't either. like them using no. their legs at all, though. I, no, because then it's body horror. They don't have they legs. Don't have legs. Oh, they don't even have legs. No, they're a torso with a no! boob. With a yeah. boob it really is just vagina a face. That's okay, let me just so read bad. this to you again. Yeah. Quote, a headless and limbless body with her genitals forming a bearded mouth and her breasts staring forward like eyes. It's just oh, a it's titty just face. A big, oh, my God. That's so much worse. It's really. It's a lot worse. really that's upsetting. really bad. Yeah. Uh. Yep. So these two fucking horror shows came upon Demeter one day and they immediately set out to banish the great goddess's blues. Iambi told Dirty Limericks, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first of their kind, and Balbo moved erotically, lifting her skirts to show her genitals in a body dance. Bitch doesn't need a Try to imagine the floating torso doing this and you can't help but laugh. And that's just what Demeter did, delighted with the total absurdity of the display that she was witnessing. Balbos were apparently found all over the place in ancient what? Greece. Her name is Balbo, but images of Balbo oh. were found all over the place. They were literally mass-produced in ancient Greece. Why? They were seen in art. They were worn as amulets. And they had many iterations, all of which made a great show of the vulva, and almost all of which were wore elaborate headdresses uh, and would hold cups or harps. So if you were going to buy this amulet in ancient Greece and you walk to the store, and you're like, hey, I need that like terrifying belly-laughing vagina torso <laughs> amulet, what do they have? This would be your menu of selection. Uh, item one, a plump woman with her legs held apart, gesturing to her exposed vulva. Option two, a naked splay legged figure holding a harp on the back of a boar. Option three, a naked headless torso with the face in the body and the vulva in the chin of the face. Option four, a seated figure with an exaggerated vulva filling the space between the legs. And option five, a naked squatting figure with her hands on her genitalia. Well, so she has uh, limbs in some of those. Some of them, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Sometimes there's like no arms, but there's legs. Sometimes there's arms and legs, but no head. I don't like any of them. I don't like any of these. That's all odd. You need a head. There is, by the way, just to make this a little more uncomfortable, an alternate sapphic and gender variant version in which... Demeter's delight is derived by seeing that the young goddess flashing her genitalia has taken care to remove all of her pubic hair, alluding to a possible tryst between them. Apparently, Balbo was also a role to be played in the Eleusinian Mysteries and would be played by a gender-variant male in feminine garb. Hmm. Balbo. That's a weird one. That's a lot. That's so much. Her... Wow. I just... What kind of adventure do you go on with those folks, you know? It definitely feels very Alice in Wonderland. Like, I will tell you that there's two things I love about these stories in terms of myths that they are very similar to, in terms of Babo mm. and Ambi. There is the, um, I oh God, now I'm not going to remember her name. Uh, there is the uh, Shinto goddess. The Shinto goddess is Ame no, Ame no Uzume no Mikoto. She's the goddess of dawn, mirth, meditation, revelry, and the arts in the Shinto religion, right? And so what she does, because there's this moment where Amaterasu, I think her lover, is killed, and she goes and hides in a cave and deprives the world of the sun. 
And so they're like, shit, how do we get her out of there? And one of the other goddesses holds up this, like, mirror to, like, get her sunlight on it to, like, get her attention. And then this goddess that I'm talking about, uh, Ame no Uzume, she does, like, a body dance and shows her vulva to the goddess and makes her laugh. And so she comes out of the cave. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that's a thing. That's, like, a thing like that, yeah, you just that has flash. happened. You just flash someone. Just to be like, <laughs> you just crack hey, them up with like, a goofy like, dance and your, not that and bad. your crotch. There's a similar <laughs> yeah. there's a similar story, I think, for the Orishas, too, um, where someone, like, gets really mad and goes off and, like, uh, they send, I think, Oshun to go find them. Um, and she does, like, a mirror dance. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's, like, a common theme. The other one is all of the focus on the vulva that happens, especially in the amulets, where there are amulets of, like, women, like, holding open their yeah. genitals. Mm -hmm. Which, if you don't know, the Sheelanagag from Ireland and from the British Isles was a figure that you'll see even today in really, really old churches on, like, the doorpost that you go under where it's a crone with giant bulging eyes holding oh, open yeah, her vulva I know what you're talking about. and yeah. like screaming at the viewer or with closed mouth. But that's the pose. And it's, uh, it's again, it's that idea of like warding off yeah. evil by using the powers of life. But also because she's a crone, she's associated with the threshold between life and death. Interesting. Which in a, in a lot of thought around the world, the threshold between life and death has always sort of been characterized as a vulva. There's a lot of stuff around Lilith about that. There's a lot of stuff around a lot of goddesses about around that. So makes sense. This is a pretty vaginal episode. <laughs> so fun. Um, so just to wrap it, Demeter had two main festivals. Um, they were both connected to her mysteries, like we had mentioned uh, early on. There was the Thesmophoria, which was women only from October 11th to the 13th. We don't know the name of the other one, but both of them were focused on the myths concerning Demeter and Persephone, specifically Demeter's wandering and Persephone's return. Mm. And last but not least, the Eleusinian Mysteries. Yeah. First and foremost... I want to point out that the Eleusinian mysteries are not just the most well-preserved and understood of all the mystery traditions, but they were quite different from the majority in that they welcomed all genders and all social mm. classes. Oh. Uh, but more on that very soon. <laughs> in fact, our next m 4 episode will be a deep dive on the Eleusinian mysteries. Cool. cool. But what I can tell you as a little teaser is that the Eleusinian mysteries predated the Olympian pantheon and they have roots huh. that go all the way back to yeah, Mycenaean Greece. Yeah, they do. Fans! <laughs> <laughs> so that's our Demeter episode, y'all. What do you think? Yeah, Love it. She um, is awesome. So cool. I think she's got to be one of my favorites. For sure. She's like an unexpected favorite yeah, for me. She's for like, sure. a, like that dark horse that I didn't see coming that I was like, oh, she's yeah. badass. Yeah, like, she's spooky. She's really cool. I just cool. think it's really yeah. cool yeah. that like, one, she's really cool, but then like, her, the company that she keeps is like Hecate and like these two the torsos like, of like yeah and yeah. that's where she, that's where she's like oh my god let me go out with my girls like <laughs> and out of all the goddesses she's the one that's like oh do you want some dragons to put yeah. your chariot yeah, she just, just has like, some of those excuse yeah. sorry what I feel like, like if you're in her good graces she's like pretty cool also like now i can't help but oh, see her as like an ex-party girl who got her shit together but is still like you know she's like i'm sober yeah. now but i'll still come out to the bar i'll do fucking karaoke like i'll do that i just yeah. don't drink oh, yeah. anymore, but like i you know 
she gets a bad rap and i'll tell you right now one of the things that i like two things that i learned working on this episode was one that i had always known her to be associated with hecate because hecate helps try and right. run persephone yeah and so they're always linked i thought that was it mm. and it's like no they're obvious yeah like friends and they're allies so and cohorts because she has a ton of chthonic things in her yeah. own right yeah and so that's really cool um then the other thing that i think is really interesting as i've been preparing the persephone episode is honestly demeter gets a really bad rap in most mainstream storytelling and historical storytelling about the lengths to which she was distraught after persephone was abducted mm. we are on episode 17. 17. If you are a mother, I don't care if you're divine or not, in ancient Greece, and your daughter goes missing, what, what, what do else, you expect what would you be doing? for her to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of just grieving, because you know you'll never see her again if you were a mortal, she's a goddess that does everything she possibly can and does not give up until she gets her fucking daughter back. I mean, why do people... How? So why do people have a thing about that? Just like, oh my God, she's like the grieving mom forever. Get over it. Like that kind of thing? Yes, but absolutely. But it's like, get yeah. over it. Why the fuck would you get over it? It's like you're... That's like her... That's her main... That's her main thing. Well, I think it's... Well, also, let's not forget she was most likely raped yeah. by Zeus. Yeah. Zeus is the father of Persephone, abuses that privilege to give her away without Demeter's knowledge to his brother. Yeah, fucked. Who she doesn't know anything about, Persephone or Demeter... Um, and then she gets sucked down to the underworld. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like, I think the other thing too is like gods just don't show, they don't just go missing, right? So it's also that right. like someone right. else like, has where the to fuck know is something, she? and like no yeah. one's helping, right? Like so it's she like, knows she's being fucked with. Yeah, like, something... it's like even worse yeah. than that. It's like so embarrassing on top of like all the grief from her being gone. Um, and like what you said in an earlier episode, Daphne, where you're like, I can't imagine being a god and being stuck as a goddess that still has to deal with yeah. men. Well, it's, it rem I mean, that's what I always, th this actually did, this situation you're just talking about right now, like laying out how fucked up this is and why she would be so angry. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of like Hera and like, it reminds me of like a lot of the stuff where yeah. it's like, yeah, I, they seem hysterical and like overbearing and like whatever. It's all the things women get called and told they're being but it's like uh, gaslighting it's like of course they're being like that because yeah. what do you expect yeah. like you know yeah i mean yeah i would definitely it would suck no matter how powerful you are and how great they all are and they have such great qualities and they're like amazing powerful gods they still are fucking women like she's like why is everyone why is no one telling me what the fuck happened you bet that if that was poseidon right. they would just tell him especially when like let's say she even they wouldn't even pull I that shit with poseidon you know no, no. And I and I think the thing is is that she it's believable that she was at that time probably on pretty good terms with her three brothers. Right, right. And would expect them to to she would expect, "Oh my god, my daughter's yeah. gone. Let me call my three brothers who are the three rulers of the fucking yeah. universe. Yeah, like, I need you guys because one of you is, like, works at the DEA and one of you is, like, a mob boss and one of, you know, like, it's like they're they're in powerful positions. And it's like, what is she supposed to do? One of them took her, the other one signed off on it, and the third one is useless and yeah. doesn't help at and all. And is not even involved, yeah. 
And all of them are stonewalling her and being like, we don't know. So but, weird. Sorry. You know, like, and it's Ugh. like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, this is insane. So I understand why she is this, like, hysterical woman on a crusade that doesn't know how to calm down. It's like, because it's so, like, unbearably undignified this is happening to her because she should as this great goddess be at least able to keep her daughter safe she's also just an amazing mom like so she really loves her daughter like yeah a lot of the greek gods don't give a fuck about some of their kids it seems but like she totally actually really really cares about her daughter it's also, I think, a lot of guilt, yeah. too, yeah. on her part, because there's a lot of versions of the story in which Demeter, uh, in, in which Persephone is actually out on a task from yeah. Demeter, that, because Persephone's so linked with flowers, there's this idea that she was sent to go paint all the flowers, and while she was in this, like, field of flowers I remember that, job, the painting the flowers, yeah. She got sucked up, and so it's, like, Demeter being like, if I hadn't sent her out there alone, and you can almost imagine the whole, like, very human i thought my kid was finally ready you know my kids say they were ready to cross the street on their own i i don't want to hold on too tightly when is it finally okay to let go and then you do and like they get kidnapped and and you're like what the fuck did i do yeah the cruel irony of it you know and so yeah i mean obviously i'm i'm this is a this is definitely a sympathy for demeter uh, podcast because she does not get anywhere near the dignified treatment that she yeah. should also she's way more um, badass than she, i think i i realized also she's not out here fucking around with anybody she's not messing with anybody that doesn't deserve it you know like okay yeah she ate that little boy's shoulder she was but not in was, her she was hungry mind. okay she's hungry yeah. and that soup probably smelled good yeah also like she reminds me of lady dimitrescu from the new uh resident evil just like tall eight foot nine vampire lady because i think of her Ooh. as like you know like I think there's that association with like just okay. I'm sorry. Sidebar. We don't have to include this. I personally think it was a huge flaw in the design to have Lady Dimitrescu be the first of the four lords that you face off with. I because you have to face off against her, her three sisters. This is the one you have in all the trailers. This is the one that's like the advertising for the fucking game is her, and you start with her, and then you have like swamp man is like the third one and is super anticlimactic like how does that make any sense swamp man i don't get it i i i'm not saying she had to be the final one at all i just think she should have been four like third i thought i just assumed it was gonna be like uh uh resident evil i don't know if it's two or three where uh nemesis is just following you around the whole game it fucking felt like that from all the the stuff because I played two and three. That's the only ones I played. Yeah. I played the remakes. And I, it's either two or three where the fucking... It's not Nemesis. Or it's Mr. the other guy. The big tall the, guy. Yeah. You know, Nemesis is the really big tall guy, but there's the other guy who's like almost got no face and he's in the trench coat. Hmm. And he's just following you around. That's... Nemesis is like bursting through walls and oh, shit. okay. Huh. Because Nemesis is the one that's like all gnarled yeah, and he's fucked just gigantic. up. He's got the weird arm. yeah. yeah. It sounds then, like a pretty fun yeah, game. Yeah, I'm talking about... It's like Wesker. I'm talking about Mr. Whatever. Oh, Mr. X or some shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, literally, you, you go like down this hall, you hear the helicopter crash, yeah. and you go and you see like the helicopter wreckage, and then the fucking guy goes like this and pulls it out of the way so and just starts terrible. marching towards you. Yeah. 
I literally almost shit my pants. I have never been more anxious than playing that fucking game. Sounds and really that guy scary. I'm I'm getting anxiety just yeah, hearing about it. Terrifying. I don't even know what it looks like. I straight when I tell you right now, Daphne, I have literally so B is a hardcore Resident Evil fan. Has played every single one multiple times, every movie, the whole thing, yeah. and is like an aficionado on it and got me into it in that. I'm. I only really watch horror movies. Yeah. Like I, that's my movie genre. That Same. I will watch anything Pretty and everything much. that comes out. Love it. Great. You know what I mean. So sitting, I literally will sit and watch B play, and it's like I'm watching. Yeah. It's like watching a horror, horror movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the original horror survival game. That's mm-hmm. where Resident Evil created its own entire genre, and so I thought I was okay because I was like, I've watched you play like five of these games. Like, I understand what's, what I'm going into. It's fine. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. completely no. different anxiety. The soundtrack. When you're, when you're in it, you're just like, Having the controller yeah. in your hand. Yeah. You're like, ah! Because there's a difference between me being to be like, run, 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 run. Like, there's yeah. a difference between that and me having it in my hand and being like, gonna get oh! Like, <laughs> it was so upsetting to play. That's cool. Oh, my God. But that's what, that's what Nemesis is. That's why he's named Nemesis, is think about that feeling, and that would be the goddess Nemesis yeah. coming after you. She is inexorable. You cannot stop her. You cannot get away from yeah. her. And somehow, she knows yeah. where you are, just, which is the scariest part of all. The, the slowly walking towards you thing is so much worse than just being actively chased. Um, Ooh, it's, it's so, so much bad. worse. Um, yes. But I also think about, like, in all of this, right, being, I think, very related to Demeter, I also think, like, who, what kind of person goes and picks up the sickle that, like, just castrated, you know what I mean? Your, Your grandfather, grandfather just yeah. got castrated, and you went and picked up the sickle, and was like, nice, this is mine. I'm You're like, nice, I'm going to take this, yeah. Like, yeah. one, Virgo, but two. Right. <laughs> Total Virgo move, oh my god. It's um, so real. So I also, yeah, I think just like even with that, that's like very indicative of like kind of like her like darker side of some of like yeah, fertility of the fields and like life and it's also but like it's a dark process too. <laughs> but it's life and death. It's like we were saying, yeah, like all of that only comes. I think it seems cute from the outside, and then when you get a glimpse of it, you realize that like in order to give you know be fertile and have things be born and and sustained you also need to take away and you also need to allow i mean it's like you have to burn back the the fields you know you have to do all that you have to like actually be there for the death what is fertilizer the death side of it exactly you know you're lucky if fertilizer shit usually it's dead it's yeah. dead shit it's probably both you know what yeah I mean? dead shit, dead shit. <laughs> i know you had a whole thing about like um the links with Saturn and all that. So I don't know if you I just can't help but not think of them similarly, right? Like a lot of the same stuff we're talking about in terms of like Ceres and like the ability for like society to essentially like progress, right? Like the laws and things, like the the like literal fuel for it. And yeah. then Saturn being linked to like time, the like society like or like the building society and things like that. Um, they just seem like so like so related um yeah and then thinking of like you know all the especially in the roman context yeah. obviously because like the greek context doesn't make a lot of sense with like demeter right. and cronus but in the roman context you're like oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just like even like the darkness that's associated with saturn seems to kind of fit 
um, Demeter too, just in like the story. Uh, but I guess absolutely because to me i look at the the cycle of the harvest a lot like the Mm -hmm. cycle of the moon because it is yeah they're interrelated so there has to be a dark moon if there's a full moon totally and there's some there are some cultures and we will talk about this when we get to hecate there are some cultures where a different deity is in charge of different lunar phases and so that's like that sort of elucidates like the different nature of the right but other time, most commonly, it's a it's one deity, you know, usually a goddess who's like multifaceted and covers a whole gamut of shit because she has the same shifting nature right. as the moon. So as much as she can be like the bright, beautiful light at, at, in the sky at night, she's also the right. darkness as well. And so I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about the parallel between like the the waxing and the waning of the moon and the yeah. harvest. That you're like, she's also the yeah. barren field. You know what I mean? And she is very clearly, as we're going to go through in our Persephone episode, uh, the one who dispenses barrenness and famine and blight. Well, that's the and thing. If you things. can give it, you can also take it away. It's like that power is always right. twofold, right? Yeah. Like, if, right. if you are suddenly taken out of the equation, then, like, where's the harvest? Like, where are the crops? Like, you know, you... Yeah, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. You can't. So... Well, that's like we'll talk about with Apollo and Artemis. They're the two gods tied to plague mm. because they were able to send plague and relieve plague with their arrows. See, it's yeah. always the person always has the antidote. It's like the same venom makes yeah. the antidote. Like it has to be. Yeah. And like that's similar, or the antivenom, I guess. But they're so like it's so different from like, you know, like the, the starving of winter. Right. Like it's a, such mm. a specific kind of like pain and like stress. Um, well, the starving of winter is not her. Oh, okay. The, it is to a certain extent. The starving of winter is her yeah. grief. Mm. So it does come from her. But the whole thing about Persephone's myth is it is literally called throughout many time periods. It's called not the rape or the abduction of Persephone. It's called the creation yeah. of winter. Because mm. there wasn't winter before right. that happened. So, yeah, I guess I just always. Out, so out Demeter, of that in loss. her natural cycle, there was still a harvest. There was still letting the field fly fallow. There was the potential of blight. All that was there, but there was no, like, the death and the. Like, and nothingness the, the, for a while. Of winter. Yeah. That wasn't there until the whole thing happened with yeah. Persephone. So, it is Demeter that does it but it's not i wouldn't say i think it's like inherently in her nature yeah. if you will. that's cool though because they had yeah. to understand it was like an aberration that became happened. i guess like what an interesting guess, yeah. no it's just cool to think that like in a culture being like well why do we have winter if mm. it sucks so much and then you're like oh yeah. maybe like the goddess of the harvest is in mourning and like is is on a quest and like can't be here right now and, right. You know. Right. Yeah. I guess like yeah, to that point I guess like I mean that it makes sense to me like Artemis and Apollo being over plagues by virtue of like the arrows and like it's just like kind of like the way that they move. And so like I also furthering that just because I think you'll find this really interesting. We'll go into it way more in depth in their episodes. Different plagues. Yeah. Oh, specific plagues. Sun, yeah. Sun and the moon, different arrows, different sickness yeah. cool like different different forms of death that they dispense yeah. which i also think super checks yeah. out and so i think like even with yeah. the like the that like feeling of winter it's not so much that i think i i find that innate to her but it's like it makes sense that that representation of anger and grief comes from Demeter. 
like if if she's right. gonna get angry like that's right. how it would yeah. manifest yeah. That, yeah. i'm like yeah. yo that makes sense you know yeah it's like well because it's ice. almost it's definitely conceivable that she could have gone earthquakes mm. you know what i mean or yeah. like something like that um so you're like all right could have been anything yeah but also she's like relentless and like winter is that feeling is like relentless it's like it's like that like i won't give up no matter what you know how it feels in the depth of winter where you're just like when does this end it's It's been winter forever forever and if you weren't i don't i get like the reverse i'm actually a a child of winter i mean i I actually like i actually like winter too but i'm a child of spring technically because i'm april but I've just always been somebody who deeply loves winter and is happiest I do too. and healthiest I like winter too. and does best in winter. Yeah. And I do really, really poorly mm. in the summer. So I, yeah, it gets to about July and I'm like, are yeah. we done? <laughs> is this over? Cause I'm not going to make it. And like, it's, I don't get like seasonal affective disorder. I get seasonal affective um, death, wish, yeah, like yeah. anger, <laughs> destruction, seasonal affective destruction, <laughs> like spite. I get really upset and angry. I have a very short fuse. I don't want to be around anybody. I literally make my house like curtains, ACs, cave, meat locker. I don't want to come out for anything. I'm good. Like, I just can't do it. I'm not a huge summer person either. I, I can get into it no. for a while, but I definitely burn I burn out on it. I don't like being in the direct sun that like it's I prefer winter as well. But I still hit a point in winter where I'm like, wow, this is like I would love to sit outside. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd like to like leave the house. I would do seriously very horrible, evil things to never have to sweat ever again. Once in my life. Yeah. And so summer is <laughs> summer is not great for me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. At all. not at all. Not as a person who literally cannot cannot cool down, which is why winter's great. I can literally open a window or walk outside and I'm like instantly cool. Hallelujah. You know, like I just it's good for me. Anyway, sorry, this has nothing to do with what you were talking about. Please continue with your in-depth analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, it's also just, like, the winter thing is if you weren't in her good graces, you're not going to be prepared for the winter, right? Like, it is possible right. to be prepared right. for the winter. But if you weren't, if you've just been fucking up, then, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to starve. Yeah. Also, just, like, something about the idea of bacon being, like, preserved and it just being, like, one of her, like, things makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> I don't pigs. know why. It's just, like, yeah, all right. Because um, bacon is, like, such a kind of, like, it's a it's a weird meat. It's delicious, but it's a weird meat. And I feel like that's, I don't know. In terms of, like, Zeus, I feel like definitely wants, like, a very, like, boring like giant cut of meat from inside his sacrifice animal and i feel like Demeter's like no that that part right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah Demeter being like i like the crackle i want to hear it you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty deathly she's fucking awesome burning skin Skin, which is ruled by Venus, which is why pigs make sense for aphrodite thank you so much full (laughs) circle um this has been our Demeter episode. I so appreciate. We also appreciate you tuning in. We um, had a great time doing some shout outs for some awesome yeah. folks in our M4 episode and want to do more of those. So if you want to get shouted out, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up at whengodwasqueer at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on TikTok or Instagram <laughs> at whengodwasqueer. Uh, or you can leave us a voice note at anchor.fm slash when God was queer. 
and we will include them in upcoming episodes. We have a voice note that we recently got, which is going into our Persephone yeah. episode. We're very excited about it. So, other than that, I think it's time for our cacophony of queerness. Fear and glory to street. Fear and glory. <laughs> I'm not going to start it this time because you made fun. Yes, I wanted you I to know, do it I'm so not, bad. I'm not going to. You think I don't remember that? You think I don't remember what you said? No, I'm never starting it again. Be gay! Be gay! Do crimes! Do crimes! Shoot pigs. The gods are always watching. The gods are always watching. <laughs> I like this. Like Especially we did, governor. like the 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 wave yeah. version. Where we're going yeah. around the circle. Yeah. It's nice. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>